All right, good morning, folks. Today is January 20th. Welcome to episode number 286 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osher, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Jenny Housley, Adam Frank, Kenny Pena, and Mitch T, along with everybody else in chat, are going to be ripping through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my analysis and opinion on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, so how can you operationalize this at work today or kind of at the macro level uh, over the next quarter or whatever. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, there's absolute value for here. There's absolute value for you here, uh, not just in the networking with the community members in the in the um, Simply Cyber community, but also in getting current on what is happening in the industry, what is happening across the ecosystem of protecting businesses, threat actor behavior, terminology. Guys, there's no easy button getting into the industry. You just got to lean into it and drink from the fire hose. And that's what we're doing here. Opening the spigot all the way up. Before we get into it, I wanna say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors. You guys know them. Starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You can see I've got Barricade Cyber Solutions on stream right now. Half a click. There's Eric's calendar. You can get on a meeting with him at 10 a.m. this morning. Two clicks and you're already helping your business plan for crisis frankly like like having a plan on what to do when crap hits the fan is way better way better than sticking your hand head why can't i talk today people Woo. it's way better than sticking your head in the sand and just hoping that it doesn't happen to you right hope is not a strategy of any efficacy like the board <laughs> if if management or board if you're that big an organization's like what are we doing about ransomware and you're like we're hoping that's not a great option, okay? So consider Barricade Cyber Solutions. Also want to say shout out and love to Recon InfoSec, hosts of Thursday Defensive, which was yesterday. I got to attend that. Awesome, awesome initiative. Uh, if you're interested in what that is, ask in chat and either I will answer it or somebody else will. Fantastic. But what we're talking about right now is Recon InfoSec's MDR service, their managed detection and response. If you're in need of a service that gives 24-7 managed detection and response service, consider the offering from Recon InfoSec. They're a full-service shop. They offer transparent um, MDR services that gives you the people, process, and technology to enable your organization to actually have real security operations, uh, regardless of how big your organization is. So small orgs, don't think, don't think you're priced out of it. It's usually, honestly, I don't know how uh, Recon InfoSec prices their MDR, but it's typically by endpoint. Uh, so, like, small orgs have less endpoints. Large orgs have more endpoints. Le small orgs have less users. Big orgs have more users. But big orgs have more money. So, it's like, it literally, MDR typically, I'm sure Recon does it this way, scales with the size of your organization. So, don't think you're too small to be able to afford it. Now, Recon InfoSec gives you direct access to their whole team, the analysts, the engineers, the architects, 
They give you SIM and SOAR access, but they, they'll manage it, obviously. They'll help you get on board and push your logs to it. It's an awesome, awesome service. And unlike some of the other larger players in the space, no disrespect, but a lot of the larger ones are business owners running security companies. Recon InfoSec is a security company run by security professionals with years of experience. Go check them out if you need recon, uh, if you need MDR, or if you're just exploring it, if you're in that stage where you need like three or four different vendors to evaluate and kind of a bake-off, don't sleep on Recon InfoSec. Now, I want to remind everybody that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, as far as I'm concerned, is worth half a CPE. Uh, so it stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat. Document that you're here. Do check the policies. I've looked at ISC Squared and ISACA, although there is an FAQ out about the uh, legitimacy of podcasts on your own time. But I would argue this is a it, like a professional educational webinar. It's just you didn't register for it. If, you, if, if push comes to shove and we need to put up a registration page, um, I w I'm not going to paywall this stream. I'm not going to block anyone from getting to it. But if we need to put up registration so you can register... Fine. All right. If you're live, I love it. Thanks so much for being here. I see 90 of you. 90? That's kind of low, guys. Get your coffee. Settle in. I know it is a Friday. You know, Thursday is the start of the college weekend. Maybe people got, went out and got lit up last night. I know I, <laughs> I, know I didn't. Uh, that's way, uh, I, I'm way beyond that now. I, I watched uh, the new Last of Us show on HBO. Phenomenal show. All right. If you're on replay, hashtag team replay left coast people. It was nice to see you, Nick Barker, Poner Joe uh, in team live yesterday on Thursday. But if you're team replay, do a hashtag team replay in chat. Love it so much. All right, guys, that does it for the intro. Uh, following the new formats, uh, I'm going to dive right into the news. But I do want to say what's up, Justin? What's up, Justin? Justin Loken and Justin Goldman Mans. Yeah, Last of Us was really good. Although I'll tell you what, real quick, and then I'll get right into the news. I will tell you that I've gotten so conditioned to binge watching that when I realized episode two wasn't available, I was like, Aah! like, like the level of, the level of like furiosity, blue. Like I was like, finish him. Like I wanted to end the show. Like that's how, <laughs> how mad I was. Binge worthy. That's what I am. All right, sit back, relax, and let's get into the news. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Friday, January 20th, 2023. Ransomware revenue falls by $300 million in 2022 as more victims refuse to pay. According to a new report from blockchain research firm Chainalysis, the fall was from 765.6 million in 2021 to 456.8 million last year. The report attributed the drop to a variety of factors, most notably that more victims are simply refusing to pay up when threatened by criminal groups. The report's researchers spoke with several ransomware experts to check whether their theory was correct. Michael Phillips, chief claims officer of cyber insurance firm Resilience, confirmed that several, quote, meaningful disruptions, end quote, were driving the downturn in ransomware revenue, including Russia's invasion of Ukraine and law enforcement actions against ransomware gangs that included arrests and the seizure of ransoms. Yep. All right. So first of all, let's do this. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right, so ransomware revenue fell by $300 million, like basically 700 to $400 million, okay? Um, 
there's a, there's a lot to unpack here. Hold on, Morehouse hacks with a job offer? Yes! Way to go, Morehouse hacks. Congratulations, so dope. All right, guys, so check it out. This is a really complicated issue. It may look on the surface that it's like, oh, re re ransomware revenue fell. Period, end of story, simple story. First of all, I do wanna say shout out to Eric Taylor. I don't know if he's watching right now, but the fact, like it, it, it really chaps his butt that ransomware threat actors uh, call their victims clients, that they think that they're operating a business. Like, they're, like there's some legitimacy and okayness with being a, a ransomware criminal uh, operator. So the fact that the store calls it, I mean, the story calls it revenue, uh, <clears throat> it, does, it does rub me a little uh, the wrong way because businesses report their revenue earnings criminal empires and enterprises it's not revenue it's it's ill-gotten gains so let's put that out there second of all they saw a downfall in ransomware now we all <clears throat> we might all pat ourselves in the back and be like hey look at us cyber professionals we, we did it we're winning the war on ransomware thank you jen easterly and sissa thank you crypto uh or thank you community for all the hard work that we do but it's actually much more, um, thanks for the uh, squad membership, Matthew Necci. Um, guys, I think it's much more nuanced than this. As they reported in the story, Russia and Eastern Europe is a massive epicenter of ransomware threat operators. Now, they operate everywhere, especially with Lockbit ransomware as a service model. So you see things in Canada and crap like that. But for the most part, the brain trust of ransomware operations are in Eastern Europe. Ukraine, Belarus, Romania, Russia, obviously, um, and, and some North Korea, obviously, but but uh, let's let's stick here, okay? So this is where they're operating now mostly. And yes, I know Cuba and Brazil and UK and all that, but focus here, okay? With the war in Ukraine, Russia is diverting a lot of attention, effort, and resources to that. Ukraine is obviously uh, putting a lot of resources there. Threat actors might be feeling patriotic and wanting to use their skill set. I mean, they've already made a ton of money, right? Like, like if, if all of your expenses are covered and you've got four gold Lamborghinis, like, and you could defend your country or your statesman or whatever you want to call it, or buy a fifth gold Lamborghini, like at some point, the money problems are addressed and now you've got problems that money doesn't solve which are real things. And, you know, being invaded by a foreign power, that's a problem, right? So we could see that that would attribute partly to that. So we're not really, do, I mean, we're doing okay, but it's nuanced. Second thing, and nobody loves this. I don't really talk about, this is something that I'm like very passionate about, but I almost never talk about it because literally like 1% the cybersecurity community isn't big. And then of that community, only 1% cares about cybersecurity insurance. And I'm one of them, but no one really likes to talk about it. But I will bring it up because it's germane to this story. Insurance providers, after what happened with uh, NotPetya and Mondelez and Merck, uh, basically Zurich, which is a massive, huge insurance thing, um, said they weren't going to pay out on a NotPetya to Merck, who lost like $4 billion dollars. And they went to court and Zurich lost. So now the insurance companies who have been paying out insurance claims left and right on ransomware 
have thrown their arms up and they're either not writing policies or they're demanding to know exactly how you're implementing your security controls. And if you're not implementing best practices, like, like for example, if you don't have multi-factor authentication on your uh, user accounts, they're not even going to talk to you, let alone give you like some ridiculously inflated quote. They're just like, you're too, like, you're too risky. We're not talking to you. Go get some MFA. So the revenue goes down because now when I get hit with a, a ransomware incident or Joel Belton's ice cream shop gets hit with ransomware and Joel Belton's ice cream shop doesn't have insurance because his security sucked and the, no insurance provider wrote it. Joel Belton's like, well, I'm not going to pay this ransom out my own pocket. F it. I'll just rebuild. Suck it. Uh, ransomware threat operators. The, the insurance companies and the policies were, were the easy button. It's just like, oh, hey, like we got ransomware. Hey, insurance company. Yeah, like fix this, pay it, whatever. I don't care. Just not my problem. Right. But without insurance, that isn't getting paid. That's going to attribute significantly to the amount of payments. When it's your money, you're more likely to not give it to threat actors. If it's the insurance company's money, who cares? Right. That's why I got the policy. Suck it. All right. And then um, and then, of course, there are other uh, federal regulations um, in the United States, at least. I, I can't remember the exact nuanced uh, details, but there is like the FBI is not allowing like it's something around like either publicly traded companies aren't allowed to pay ransom or like government entities aren't allowed to pay ransom. Whatever it is, there's some there's some legislation or regulations around not being allowed to pay because you're kind of funding terrorism, which is obviously not good. So some, something like that. Um, so all of these are reasons. Now, guys, I'm not going to take a, a lap. I'm not going to take a victory lap and, and or do like a parade and be like, look at us. We're awesome. But I will say, you know what? I don't care. I don't care if it's us. I don't care if it's the insurance companies. I don't care. I don't, I, I mean, I care about a war in Ukraine, but I don't care if that's the reason why ransomware has gone down. What I care about is the results. And if ransomware is, is finally depreciating in impact and interest from threat actors, then good, because it is a blight on society. It is a absolute, um, it's just an awful, awful blight that just ruins companies, ruins people's families. It's, it's not good. So I'm glad that this is uh, the first story. Really set a tone here. Society claims ransomware attack against University of Duisburg, Essen. The threat actor Vice Society has claimed responsibility for November's ransomware attack against the University of Duisburg, Essen in Germany and has reportedly published some stolen data on the dark web. The university made the announcement over the weekend saying the data publication resulted from the university not complying with the attacker's ransom demands. It yep. added that immediately after the attack was discovered, the university shut down the entire IT infrastructure and disconnected it from the network, meaning the criminal organization would have only obtained a limited amount of data. Nice. Dude, I, I, okay, so a couple things. One, I mean, we just said that ransomware revenue went down, and the next story is about uh, a university, uh, presumably in uh, Europe, this sounds European, Duisburg, Eason, and... Uh, the threat actors said, pay our ransom. And they said, suck it. No. And then they shut everything down. Guys, I love, I love, I wish I could, whoever the uh, director of IT or the CISO is at this university, what, what a dream sequence, right? Obviously it sucks when you're, you're seeing ransomware notes pop up, but at the same time, they were able to shut off all IT and disconnect from the internet. That is, that is the break glass in case of emergency solution. 
it it um you know like it that's like the 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 case the use case that we talk about but we never you never really do i mean it's a big decision to cut off from the internet uh but they did it and they're using it to actually indicate that the amount of data that got uh taken out um wasn't as much now vice society is a uh, a, a more advanced, I would say, or they appear more advanced as a threat actor. Uh, so they typically hit higher education or education sector. They famously hit Los Angeles County a couple months ago. Um, so they'll probably publish what data they have since they need to keep, they need to keep their, I mean, it stinks, but they need to keep their word that they will release the data or, ex, or else the next victim that they attack is going to be like, well, they didn't release Deutschberg Essen's data, like maybe they won't release ours. Who cares? Uh, but you know, they did all this work and they're not getting paid. So good, good on them. I mean, that's how you gotta, that's like, this is the only way we're going to, uh, curb these criminals off of attacking. Android users beware of new hook malware with rat capabilities. The threat actor behind the BlackRock and Ermac Android banking Trojans has unleashed yet another malware for rent called Hook that introduces new capabilities to access files stored in the devices and create a remote interactive session. Threat Fabric, in a report shared with the Hacker News, characterized Hook as a novel Ermac fork that's advertised for sale for $7,000 per month while featuring all the capabilities of its predecessor, in addition adding remote access tooling capabilities without the need for additional channels. All right. So, I mean, all I'm here, I don't, so here's the thing. I don't really run in circles uh, that look at banking Trojans. I, I, you know, I've never worked in financial sector. I know financial services invests heavily into information security, but it's also like pretty intense because um, there are a lot of threat actors attacking that space because that's where the money is. Um, so this is an Android app. Apparently it's a um, successor to Ermac, which is another one. So basically just a new addition, right? It's not, it's not, um, it's PlayStation 2 instead of PlayStation 1, right? Or it's uh, Sega Genesis instead of just Genesis, right? If we want to, if we want to go back to yesteryear um, and it's got more uh, features. Now, what's interesting is they talk about the full, full fraud chain right? Which I don't know. You know, everybody hears about cyber kill chain. I'd be curious about full fraud chain. Like, what is that? Um, that might be something interesting. Well, to me, that's something interesting to learn. Um, but it can do device takeover, meaning the Android device that it's compromised. It can fully uh, do that. It can prevent it being uninstalled AV evasion. This is a full featured suite of malware. You'll notice 2FA stealing as well. Um, so... Yeah, basically, if you get this on your phone, you are completely pwned. Like, you're screwed if you get this on your phone. Um, it's $7,000 a month. So, obviously, anyone investing in this is absolutely going to want to get their money back. So, they will be hitting you or, you know, victims for at least $7,000 a month. I mean, guys, it has to be installed on an Android device. So, this is why I tell people... You know, it's not it's not that iPhone's better than Android, right? It's I don't care. It's just a tool that serves a purpose, but you've got to be mindful of where you're downloading stuff from and putting it on your phone. Stick to the Google Play Store. And guys, even the Google Play Store, you can get malware in there. There's been numerous uh examples of malware being put in the Google Play Store. 
So just be careful. Be deliberate when you're choosing apps to install. Do the best you can. I mean, dude, I've seen apps that are malicious in the Google Play Store that had, you know, 10,000 five-star reviews and stuff like that. So, you know, the criminals invest heavily in their, in their con or in their crime in order to trick people into falling for them, okay? So it's not, this isn't 1995 where, you know, it's just like obviously a, a complete crap show. Um, it, these are advanced criminals with, with budget and resources in order to really do this. So be mindful. For 4,000 Sophos firewall devices vulnerable to RCE attacks. In September, Sophos disclosed a code injection flaw, CVE-2022-3236, found in the user portal and web admin of Sophos Firewall, and also released hot fixes from multiple Sophos Firewall versions. Official fixes were issued three months later in December. The company warned at the time that the RCE bug was being exploited in the wild in attacks against organizations from South Asia. The September hotfixes rolled out to all affected instances since automatic updates are enabled by default unless an administrator disables the option. All right. Okay, so... This is, you know, guys, I mean, today it's Sophos, tomorrow it's QNAP devices, you know, next week it's Fortinet. The story here is that internet-facing devices including firewalls, right, which are supposed to be security devices, which are supposed to control access to networks, are just software and they can be vulnerable, right? This is why you need either asset inventory or a, 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 you know, a good idea of what's in your network and not allow shadow IT, i.e. people installing their own crap on the network without going any through any type of like centralized IT management, okay? If you have asset inventory or awareness of what's in your environment, you know immediately whether or not you have Sophos firewalls, okay? Because they're software, they can have vulnerabilities. This one has a vulnerability. Because it's internet facing, anybody can access it, right? Anybody can, can, can touch it. Remote code execution means that they can run any code on it from the internet. Now, this doesn't say unauthenticated remote code execution, which is the worst. So they might need um, authentication. I'm just looking here. Um, see if the word authentication is here. Uh, yeah, see, mass exploitation would likely be hindered because the web client has a CAPTCHA that you'd have to interface with, okay? Again, it doesn't say that you need creds, but you know if there's like default creds, which is not uncommon, 93% of running versions eligible for the hotfix. All right. doesn't say, anyways, the, the long and the short of it is these things are accessible from the internet and they get hit. Now you might be like, well, you know, the internet's a big place, Jerry. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe I won't get found. Maybe I won't get found out. Well, the problem is if you guys have ever heard of Shodan, and I know many of us have, but for those who have not, it's important. It's important. Look at, I just pulled up Shodan.io. I pulled up Shodan.io. And I just typed in Sophos. You guys see Sophos at the top? Now this isn't, the story probably explains like which devices are, are vulnerable. But guys, you know, this is a Sophos device in Switzerland right now, like right now, 
on the internet that I could touch. So it's very easy. Here's another one in Lagos, Nigeria. It's very easy for threat actors or anyone to basically say, what version of this Sophos thing is vulnerable? Filter down in here until you get, you know, whatever. What did they say in the story? 4,000? Get 4,000 results and then pick the country that, you know, pick the country that you don't like or pick the country that has the, you think has the less likelihood to have good security or pick the country that doesn't have extradition. Whatever. If you're a criminal, I'm not saying do this. I'm saying this is how criminals do it. And this is how you can also identify if your organization is vulnerable to these things. If Carl, oh, Carl. If Carl has stood up Shadow IT, you know what I mean? You could probably find it this way. I will say just as a quick plug, do you guys see this thing monitor right here? If you actually are responsible for InfoSec or IT at your organization, this Shodan monitor is actually worth it. Um, I think they give you like 12 IPs or something for free. But dude, it's like 50 bucks a month. It's cheap for a real business to pay for. And basically, Shodan will keep an eye on IP ranges that you uh, own. And when Shadow IT pops up on it, so we're talking internet-facing Shadow IT, Shodan will proactively tell you. It's wicked worth it. It's wicked worth it, okay, guys? This is like... This is like a free pro tip that a lot of people don't know about, but the people who do know love it, okay? I, I'm not affiliated with Shodan. I don't have a code or anything like that. I'm just telling you, this is wicked useful. All right. TLDR, if you're running a Sophos devices, make sure you're not vulnerable to these things and use Shodan to find it if, you, um, if you're not sure. All right, let's go. And now a word from our sponsor, Serbi. Did you know that over 60% of the cloud applications used by your company don't support identity standards like single sign-on? And that these applications are the leading cause of breaches? Serbi can help. Serbi discovers new applications, eliminates manual security tasks like offboarding, and addresses misconfigurations like disabled 2FA while increasing employee productivity. Wait, a security tool that increases productivity? What? Yep. You can learn more at serby.com. That's C-E-R-B-Y.com. All right. Time for the mid-roll and Grayson's Joke of the Week. I also do want to share really quickly. I saw in chat yesterday, somebody said, I don't know what this Carl thing is. <laughs> it is difficult to grow a community, but also have inside jokes. So if you're new here and you don't know what uh, Carl is, uh, Carl is just a, uh, a, like a token avatar end user that I reference regularly of uh, a typical end user that makes poor choices, bad decisions, um, not malicious in any way, but, um, but you know, whatever. And it's this guy. Um, like when I think of it, it's Carl, Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> if you guys know Carl, this is Carl. All right. All right. Let's, let's do the mid roll here. I mean, all right, if you're getting educational value out of the stream, if you're getting entertainment value out of the stream, please take a minute and hit, or not even a minute, take two seconds and hit the like button. It's the little thumbs up button right there. By hitting it, you're actually telling YouTube that you like it. YouTube knows, despite what you might think, YouTube knows that you are into cybersecurity. You probably watch other cybersecurity content on YouTube. They know that. So when you're hitting the like button, YouTube's like, hey, a bunch of cybersecurity people like this content. We should tell other cybersecurity people about this content. 
that is the organic way for other practitioners and aspiring practitioners to find Simply Cyber. So please help me out. Hit the like button. It costs you nothing except two seconds of your time. And it really means a lot to me, and it helps the channel quite a bit. I want to say thank you to Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec again for their continued support of the show. Definitely appreciate being able to work with those uh, individuals. You guys want to make sure, um, if you want to get the email on Monday, go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter. I have pinned it in the chat on YouTube. I'm trying to start using pinned comments, so let me know if that works out for you. There should be a hyperlink you can just click on to get to it. I write this email every Saturday, sometimes Sunday, uh, and it's three pieces of actionable intel. Here is something for your end users, here's something for your peers, here's something for your executives. You can almost take it, copy and paste it and deliver value to your organization, okay? I do it every week, it's community service. I hope you guys get value out of it. And if you don't like it, if you don't like the newsletter, unsubscribe, it's not a big deal. I'm not gonna like, I'm not one of these vendors that just like peppers you. Like, oh, are you sure you really wanna unsubscribe? Are you sure you really wanna unsubscribe? All right. So let's not do that. Okay, Grayson's joke of the week. Grayson's joke of the week. What is a computer's favorite dessert? It's cheat night, Friday night, cheat night. Gonna gonna have some extra dessert. The computer opens the the, the fridge, the pantry. What's the what's the computer grabbing for dessert? Computer is grabbing cookies. Thank you so much, Grayson, for the joke of the week. Raspberry Pi is a good one. I like that. I do like raspberry pie. Cookies. That's right. Cookies, cookies. Well, and a follow-up. Grayson actually had a follow-up joke. How does the computer eat those cookies? How does the computer eat those cookies? By taking gigabytes. By taking gigabytes. All right, thank you so much for the joke of the week. Thank you all for being here all week. Let's get back into the news story after I take a slug of this coffee. All right. Microsoft investigates bug behind unresponsive Windows start menu. Microsoft is investigating an issue causing the Windows taskbar and start menu to become unresponsive and triggering Outlook and Teams login problems. Other user issues include not seeing the Windows start menu when clicking, not being able to launch apps, the Windows search feature being broken, and incurring issues while trying to log into Azure Active Directory to activate Office 365 apps are also being reported. Similar issues happened in the recent past and were originally thought to be connected to the ClickShare app, but Microsoft sent a statement two months later acknowledging that its own software was breaking permissions for the affected apps, causing unresponsiveness and connection issues. This time around, too, Microsoft believes the cause to be due to its own software. All right. I mean, you guys have heard stories of Microsoft Windows operating system having like six million lines of code. Um, there's lines of code in there that are all commented out. There's lines of code that are not commented out that nobody knows what it what exactly it does, but they don't want to remove it because <laughs> it could lead to stability issues. Um, it sounds like Microsoft, some people are experiencing um, performance issues, right? The Windows Start menu disappears. The the you know the Mac OS ripoff dock disappears. Oops, did I say that out loud? 
Um, it, you know, it, the Windows operating system is incredibly complicated, especially now with it interfacing up with Azure for Azure AD, authenticating into the box, um, third-party apps integrating. So, you know, I'm not even going to begin to speculate on this particular story, uh, but it sounds like it's not a cybersecurity issue. I mean, if you want to say availability is an issue and that we should care about that, that's true. But all day long, this seems like IT's problem. Uh, with all due respect to my IT friends, um, this sounds like an IT problem. Um, hopefully, I mean, obviously, if Microsoft Windows is completely failing, they're gonna they're gonna have to fix it ASAP because you know it it could lead to huge problems for Microsoft, getting lots and lots of complaints. Uh, they'll investigate it. They Microsoft has always hired really smart uh, engineers. Uh, there's a reason that they've been dominant for, I mean, geez, going on 30 years now, 40 years, right? I guess Microsoft came out in what, like 88, 87. So they'll get this fixed. Just be mindful about it. It sounds like they actually have like a hot fix, like uh, some type of script you can run to fix some permission errors if you're experiencing this. So just be mindful of that. There's there's known issues. Microsoft hasn't publicly recognized it, but there is a script you can run if you're experiencing it. Honestly, if it were me, and I, you, IT, you tell me, right? Um, BSEC, you tell me, or anyone who works in a smaller org and is doing what they do. Um, I feel like if you were getting an unresponsive, choked up Microsoft machine, you'd run, you'd run a scan on it, verify that it wasn't actively compromised to the best of your knowledge, and then you'd re-image the machine. Like, I mean, I'm, I mean, really, no, no one, unless it's like. Unless it's like some VIP who's traveling and they're on like an important business trip where like they need their computer and they need it now, JG Wentworth style, you're just gonna reimage the machine. You're gonna be like, Carl, I know you didn't do anything, but like just we're gonna reimage, you know, you should be saving your stuff to the file server. Like, I'm sorry your pictures are on the desktop, like not my problem, brother. But reimage and move on. Russia linked drug marketplace Solaris hacked by rival. This, according to research released this week by blockchain analysis firm Elliptic. Users who tried to access Solaris after January 13th were redirected to the recently launched Russian-language drug marketplace known as Kraken, which nice. claimed to have successfully taken over Solaris infrastructure, GitLab repository, and project source code. Ooh. Elliptic added that no activity has been tracked in Solaris-affiliated Bitcoin addresses since January 13th. Oh my god, dude, so uh hilarious okay 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 so here's what i think of instantly when i see this guys okay this is what i think of instantly um this is what i think of i mean come on this is exactly what's going on right this is what's go this is this is kraken right here or, uh this is solaris okay this is solaris there's kraken there it is. There's Solaris. And here comes a third party. I don't even know. I wasn't prepared for this, but like a third, a third uh, dark web marketplace. Guys, basically what happened here is this is hilarious. Solaris is an illegal marketplace. Somehow um, Kraken operators got into the third into Solaris's backend IT infrastructure did like a 301 redirect to Kraken's website. So any criminals going to Solaris to buy stuff are just getting um, 
you know, walked over like a little old lady across the street, like, hey, come on over. This is where the new marketplace is. This is cracking. Solaris basically loses all of their um their their commerce, if you will, or their shoppers. And they took all their GitHub repo, so they don't even have access to their codes. Basically, they straight up stole like they straight up took their entire business. The people at Solaris must be so pissed, right? Like, oh my god, dude. That, that like again, like this is what's happening right here. This is this is what's happening. Solaris versus Kraken all day long. Uh, this is not going to be the end of it, guys. Like, there's no, there's no question that the people at Solaris are pissed because this is how they were making money, right? You just took all of their customers and all of their infrastructure and all of their money. So, um, they're going to take it back. I personally, in a dark, like, uh, kind of morbid curiosity way, I'm fascinated by this story right out the gate, and I'll be interested to see if Kraken gets taken down or if. I could see if 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 the people who are behind Solaris know the people behind Kraken, if all of a sudden like the federal, uh, you know, like Russian FSB or KGB or whoever, whoever is like law enforcement, Europol, Interpol gets an anonymous tip of like who the Kraken operators are. This isn't going to end well for anybody. That's a this is a brazen, bold move by Kraken. Too many admin one, two, three, four passwords still exist in industrial systems, research finds. According to research released Wednesday, operators of critical infrastructure companies aren't updating off-the-shelf security credentials in Internet devices connected to industrial systems. Roya Gordon, security research evangelist at Nozomi Networks, a cybersecurity firm that specializes in industrial security, said, quote, We're seeing a lot of the admin 1234, meaning that hackers are still going to be using default credentials in the hopes that no one is changing them for IoT devices, which is pretty accurate, end quote. The White House is expected to release an updated national cybersecurity strategy in coming weeks, and the administration is likely to call for mandatory cybersecurity rules for particularly vulnerable industries, according to the Washington Post. Chat GPT. All right, yeah, can we, can we, like, okay. Okay. I get it. The new national cybersecurity strategy, we teased it out yesterday. Jack Scott had forwarded it over. The U.S. government's going to allow hackback and be aggressive on offensive operations. Hey, here's a freaking idea. Why don't we require any technology sold in the United States to require the admin credentials to be changed to something that doesn't suck before it's allowed to be deployed? Like, when you turn it on, it shouldn't work until you change the credentials. It is 2023. We have tools like Shodan. We have brute force tools like um, Hydra, right? We have word lists. Are you joking me with this? And, and guys, we're not talking about like little, little Jimmy's speaking spell. We're talking about like oil and gas refineries. We're talking about power substations. Admin 1234. Why, like, why even put a password on it in the first place at that point? Why not just have it open? Don't want to don't wanna add any level of friction to, to the end users. Get out of here with it. This is, like, ridiculous. Ridiculous. So stupid. And, like, dude, again, like, we're going we're gonna to all, like, put on our suits and our nice dresses, and we're going to go to Congress, go to, go to Washington, and pass all this crazy executive cybersecurity strategy legislation. And then we're going to overlook actual practical best practices. 
it's it's nauseating. And guys, I know that the Biden uh, order last year said like, oh, MFA by in 90 days and zero trust architecture in 180 days. Like, how's that working out? How about not having crap passwords? I understand that you don't want to be prescriptive like in NIST 853, but but we have the tools and the knowledge to not allow this to happen. And this has been a problem. This has been a problem since freaking like Cliff Stoll wrote Cuckoo's Egg in the 70s. Like this has been a problem since the inception of networked technology. Like why would you think... And again, I think really part of this is who's deploying this stuff, right? So you've got engineers who aren't security people who are just taking the device and plugging it in and packets are traveling over it. Or you plug it in and you open the web console and yep, there's the the graphic display of like the oil and gas venting thing. Looks good. Push a button. Water treatment plant. Add chemicals. Yeah. Like they're not... It's not even fair. They're not security practitioners, right? So it's understandable why this would happen. But my point is, it's completely within the scope, power, and you know, reasonable authority of the vendors to make it a function that it doesn't work unless you change the admin password. And guys, it would be nothing for the vendors to put a freaking password list, the Rockyou password list, right? It's a simple text file. Put that on each of these little IoT devices. We're talking kilobytes of data and have it look on the Rocky list. When you go to type in your password to create a new password, if it's on the Rocky list, it, you don't allow it. Look, I, look I, just solved, I just solved all this and it's not even 9 a.m. yet. Get, like, what, 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 other, what other macro level geopolitical major industry problems are we going to solve? Boom, roasted. It changes the fishing game. The rise of OpenAI's ChatGPT chatbot has raised all types of alarm flags in the business, academic, and cybersecurity communities, and we at Cybersecurity Headlines have been covering examples of its versatility, such as writing malicious code. But as Maria Korolov writes in CSO Online, it's also being used to craft highly convincing and grammatically correct phishing emails. In her article, she shows how the phrase, I'm Tom, writing letter to Becky, I send her Excel file to open, very important business content, with almost every word spelled incorrectly, is converted to a clear and grammatically correct request offering versions with more or less casual, formal or urgent tones. The article concludes with some revamped and updated strategies for anti-phishing in the age of AI and is available at CSO Online. A direct link is available in our show notes. Remember, All right, guys. I mean... ChatGPT, really, really incredible tool. Uh, you know, it's making all the rounds on how you can make a business, how you can write an application that makes seven figures, <clears throat> how you can create malware. We just talked yesterday about it creating like quote unquote polymorphic malware, which I I argued was not the definition of polymorphic malware, but like that's a side thing. Um, it can it can clean up your phishing emails. All right, guys. The good news is we. <clears throat> as practitioners have been busting our hump for the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years, educating our end users on what phishing is. End users, general population, Aunt Kathy's of the world, little Jimmy's of the world, they should all know what 
fishing is, okay? And be mindful of it. You should be sus of anything that comes in that you're not expecting, right? And I know people fall for like the Best Buy scams and all that, and people continue to fall for it. But I don't know, the, the fishes that I have seen get through, like the days of like the, the really bad writing, that like the easy to detect because it's not written in good English, those fishes are less common, at least from what I see. I don't see those fishes very often anymore. So <clears throat> this is a function of ChatGPT, but uh, it doesn't. it's not like a game changer for the threat actors. Continue vigilance in educating end users. Make them aware. If you want, you could share this ChatGPT story with them, but then you'd have to explain ChatGPT and then... That you know, you might you might lose them on that, where then they they don't listen to you about the fishes. They're like, oh my god, ChatGPT. Um, so, anyways, again, ChatGPT is so YOLO on letting anyone in anything interface with it. And as we covered yesterday, if you if you access it through the API, it doesn't even have a filtering mechanism. So you could be like straight up like through an API. Hey, ChatGPT. I'm a wicked bad threat actor. I want to start a criminal, you know, financial ransomware enterprise. Write some ransomware for me. And, uh, you know, I haven't tested this, obviously, but according to reports, ChatGPT will be happy to help you with that uh, if you go through the API. Uh, I also read a horrible story. Someone messaged me that, like, ChatGPT, and again, I didn't. I didn't read the story, so this might be a false reporting or speculative, but I read, I saw an article that said that ChatGPT people, whoever's behind it, had hired Kenyans or like a, a fleet of Kenyans for like two bucks an hour or something like that to like manually review ChatGPT requests to determine their appropriateness or violating terms. So I don't know if that's true or not, but that's definitely not a... Like, how can you have a freaking AI that's so smart to do this and not have the AI be able to identify and police itself? That, that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm kind of beside myself about. I actually had something for Jawjack and that I, I can't remember right now. But uh, anyways, let's see what else we got. I think that's the story. Join us for our week. In yeah, so that's the stories today. So if you're here just for the news, I genuinely appreciate your time. I'm going to uh, tease a little upcoming things and then do some jawjacking with my good friends here. So have a happy Friday. You guys all crushed it this week. Congratulations to those who got the job offers. Congratulations to those who started their new jobs. For those taking exams or past certifications, congratulations. You guys are all awesome. Very, very inspiring group of people here in chat. And I genuinely appreciate all 184 of you. Now, if you are curious, later today at 4 p.m. Eastern time, we're having our monthly <clears throat> Simply Cyber Unfiltered working title still playing with it. This, if you guys remember in December, we did this in December. This is the monthly bring a cybersecurity shirt, bring your beverage of choice. I will be drinking craft beer, Dogfish Head 90 minute IPA. I've already got it chilling in the freezer or fr fridge. Um, it's gonna be mods uh, or it's gonna be like three, four people um, on stream. We will be doing a radio call-in style. So if you want to come in and share a hot take, if you want to come in and share a thought, we'll bring you on stage. You share your stuff and we'll uh, take the next caller. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a new it's a new format that I'm doing. It's kind of a way to uh, connect with, with the community and, and honestly blow off some steam. Um, we're all working really hard and it's nice to kind of have a fun, a fun stream like this. So please join us at four o'clock uh, for that, okay? 
Yeah, I wear cybersecurity shirts every day also, Kimberly. Um, although my wife did get me a, uh, the midnight shirt for Christmas, so I, I've been folding that in as well. Um, I want to tease out also, guys, um, the cybersecurity 101 course that, I was work- that I'm working on. Uh, I wanted to give an update on that. You guys all uh, really motivated me the other day. I am going to split it into two courses. So it'll be Cybersecurity 101 and Cybersecurity 102. And I have already developed the entire first module. So like six lectures, one assess uh, uh, quiz or test. Um, and I've got pe- I've got a couple people val- like testing it right now just for content, right? Because you'll see in the uh, <clears throat> in the video. How do I? Well. Hold on. You'll see it in the video, right? One sec. So you see how I've done captions on screen and I've got a more professional situation than the GRC. I've got my audio tight. I've got a lot. I, I learned a lot from the GRC class, okay? I learned a lot from the GRC class. So I, I've got, before I do the other 14 modules, I want to get feedback on the look, feel, vibe, and everything with the first one. And then I'm gonna use the same format and everything for the rest of the courses. So, uh, guys, I'm promising you, Deontay, win with a super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, Deontay. Enjoy that GRC Masterclass. Got a lot of, I've heard a lot of really nice things about it. I'd love to hear what your experience is with it when you get there. Um, yeah, ChatGPT is so sick. Uh, Jack Scott, I actually sent you a text message earlier today. Um, if you can check that, <clears throat> see if you're available for the um, Simply Cyber Unfiltered. All right. So let's see. Finally, Friday. So excited to put the rack ribs on the smoker. Oh, yeah. Brent Curry, what's a normal? Uh, love the class. Looking forward to the classes. I use ChatGPT quite a bit as well. I find myself like realizing like, oh, I should have used it. You know what I mean? Like I'll do something. I'd be like, oh, I should have used it. Whoops. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the discord server for chat GPT is pretty good about giving kind of up to date, uh, updates on, on all the things. I don't know if you guys like, it kind of fell by the wayside, but I don't know if you guys have been messing with, um, like those digital AR things. <clears throat> but those are fun. I, I did this one yesterday. I'm like really proud of like that one. It's kind of cool. I, I was actually going to make this uh, a thumbnail for one of my videos, but <clears throat> I didn't obviously. All right. 90s party to go to tonight and got a ginger spice costume and I am stoked. Nice, Michelle. That's fun. That's that's fun. How is it going to be different from the masterclass? Jide E asks. Uh, it'll be quite significantly different from the masterclass. So <clears throat> the GRC masterclass is in an inch wide and a mile deep on a very specific role in the information security uh, industry. Cybersecurity 101 and Cybersecurity 102 are going to be an inch deep, a mile wide. So like when you're done with Cyber 101 and Cyber 102, you should have a very, very good understanding of like the entire industry, all the roles, how they all function together, how you could do each role, um, 
what threat actors are, how malware works, what the cyber kill chain is, um, what cyber, how to commit cyber espionage, why cyber warfare is a thing, the different tools at the nation state level. Like, it's literally, um, if you want to know, like, here's the thing. A lot of people approach me and say, Jerry, I want to work in cybersecurity. What do I do? And the next question is, well, what do you want to do? Like, what job do you want? Because cybersecurity is an industry. It's not a job. You can't say, I want to do cybersecurity. You have to be like, I want to do vulnerability management or pen testing or SOC analyst, or I want to help people. I want to, <clears throat> I want to attack people. I want to do physical penetration. I want to make phone calls and trick people. Like, whatever it is you want to do, that's the part that we need to get to. <clears throat> cybersecurity 101 and 102 is basically enabling, in my mind, in my vision, it's going to enable anyone who says, I want to work in cybersecurity. And when I say, what do you want to do? And they say, I don't know. When they have completed 101 and 102, they will be able to definitively answer that question in a way that's meaningful to them. That is the guiding principle behind making those courses. So that's the deal. Have a good one, Jack Scott. Okay, I see that you're going to miss unfiltered. Okay. Generating images of the new stock image. That's right. iHeartNist as well. Be good. Uh, I haven't done ISO 27,000 for risk assessments, but I will tell you guys, like like anything else, like whether it's um, risk assessments, whether it's risk management frameworks, <clears throat> most most of the approaches to things in cybersecurity, like on the GRC side, they're all the same. There's like 15, 20% different, okay? So like, like when you're implementing NIST CSF versus ISO 27,000 versus FISMA versus whatever, they're all very similar. They're all gonna have access control. They're all gonna have identity and authentication. They're all gonna have change control. They're all gonna have contingency planning. They're all gonna have vulnerability management. They're all gonna have risk assessment. So like, you know, I don't know 27,000 risk assessments approach, but if I had to guess, it's probably fine. ISO is a, you know, a fine standard. I, I would assume that they're gonna look at, like here's, I haven't even reviewed ISO 27,005, but I, get, I bet you anything it's, what are the threats? What are the assets? What is the likelihood of it, the threat getting the asset? What's the impact if it gets the asset? What controls can be are, are in place to reduce that? Here's your here's your risk assessment. Like boom, I just did it. Okay. The real question we we're all wondering: Do you go skiing or snowboarding? What mountains have you crushed recently? Oh, elite gunslinger. I used to long time ago snowboard. Uh, I think if I had a choice, I'd probably ski. But I, I intentionally moved um, to where it doesn't snow. <laughs> so I don't really do the winter sports like that anymore. I'm a runner. I did not hear about T-Mobile being hacked. I also heard Bank of America got hacked. Uh, I, I haven't seen any reports on that, but... The humidity is killer. Yeah. It's like, it's like walking through soup in the summer here. All right. Thanks for the explanation. It really helps noobs. Yeah, no problem, Jide. Can't wait for the Cyber 101 and 102 courses. What's the projected availability? Chad Reynolds asks. Uh, Chad, I would love to get 101 out by, realistically, end of March. And then 102 out, realistically, by end of June. That's pretty aggressive timelines, but that's kind of what I'm targeting. 
I mean, you got to remember too, like, here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand about courses, right? Like, it's not just making the videos, right? You have, well, at least my videos, you got to do the videos, then you have to do some like editing and cleanup, then you have to do um, quality control of the videos, right? Then you have to like put it in the course and then have text around it. You have to do the quizzes. You have to get like graphics and stuff like that. Then there's like a, a marketing campaign around making people aware of it. Um, so it's, it's, if it was just making videos, it'd be a little bit faster, but there's a lot to it. Plus I want to put in the support infrastructure. I want to have access to resources. Yeah. I filmed like five videos and before I realized my freaking microphone wasn't working. And so I had to reshoot all those. So <clears throat> that's how that works. Do a short video on mitre attack. Um, I, I don't have one on mitre attack. I, I could do one. Uh, do I enjoy working at the Citadel? Yeah. Yeah. The Citadel is really cool. Um, it's fun. Um, I, you know, I get to engage with the students. Oh, here's a fun fact. I didn't know. Here's a little s something for people in chat to talk about. Will you post a call for beta testers for cyber one on, on one or discord? Do you have enough? So I don't have, so the beta testers that I have now are just two individuals who are vetting like the look feel format of the content. Um, so I can make sure that all the content's consistent with that. I, I will Jenny, uh, have probably like, you know, five to 10 beta testers. So if you'd like to be one of those, I know a couple people have reached out to me and I genuinely appreciate that beta testing would likely happen early March. Uh, just so people know, uh, if you are going to be a beta tester, like not to put this on you, but like, it's probably going to be like between, I don't know, say 15 and 20 hours of content. And if you're going to be a beta tester, like, again, I appreciate the, I appreciate the offer, but if you're going to do it, I need you to commit to being able to like crank through the material in like a week so I can incorporate feedback and then launch the course. I can't, like I've had beta testers before who like want to be a beta tester. They do it and then they, they do like some of the work and then they don't do it. And then I'm like, oh, like I had to get another beta tester or beta testers and it, it just like, it was, a, it was, it, it, it costs time. And it, you know, so if, if, if people want to beta test and they can commit to a timeline, then heck yeah, let's do that. Um, what do you do when your job drops a bomb on you? Says you need to have learned coding cybersecurity on your own at home. What do you do? Uh, but you're also in school and a parent. Yeah. JM. I mean, that's, that's tough. I mean, if you're working in a workplace that's toxic where you can't really feel comfortable to push back and say, you know, uh, that's not part of my job. What I would say is maybe leverage this as an opportunity, JM. Be like, yes, you're right. I need to learn coding and cybersecurity. And then what I would do is come up with a plan, right? So like, let's say um, coding. Actually, I mean, you could do SANS, like it depends what kind of coding, but like you could do um, TCM security has a Python 101 course. There is like the cyber 101 course that I'm going to have pretty soon. Like you could put together your own little training plan that's really priced affordably and pitch it to your employer and say, hey, you said I needed to do coding and cybersecurity. I agree 100%. Here's my plan. It's going to cost you $240 or whatever. Uh, would love your support since you think I need to be able to do this uh, in supporting and endorsing me to do that. Now it becomes a plan and one that you can execute on. And if they say you have to do it on your own time, I mean, that sucks. And, you know, I, I would say, how about, how about, you know, two hours every Friday 
we commit to my professional development and training, right? Be reasonable. That's what I would do. All right. Have a good one, Jim Wales. Take care. Uh, an increase in business email compromise? Probably not. Uh, when's the estimated launch of the Cyber 101, 102? Uh, end of March, end of June, respectively. Justin Loken lives in the the zombie life. All I do is crank courses. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. That is the second or third time for TMO or TMC. Or, oh, yeah. Put it back on them. Later, Dr. G. Uh, have a good one, Morehouse Hacks. Congratulations again. Did that and get training for blue team level two. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if your employer is pushing on you, bring a solution to them. You know what I mean? Always, always take advantage. I will tell you this. I said on stream, so I play haiku on stream. I said the other day, like, oh, I would happily come up with a um, a letter that you can take to your employer to get them to pay for your haiku uh, purchase and wrap it up as professional development training. Uh, I actually wrote that letter last week, but because of Haiku, I've actually given it to the marketing department so they can set up a landing page and stuff like that. But that that is going to be available at some point soon, I hope. If not, if they don't want to do it, I'll just remove the Haiku piece of it and insert generic training that you can update yourself and make that available. The long story short is I've developed a basically a letter that's one page that you can update a few things, your boss's name, your name, the name of the training or whatever, and then deliver it to them. And it's basically a request to pay for them to pay for training, whether it's TCM, whether it's Haiku, whether it's GRC Analyst Masterclass, whatever it is, it's a it's a, a professional way of asking a business to invest in you. All right, uh, have a great weekend, Alicia, Jerry, Jidey. What, thanks, someone got to ask, what, what did Jide, what did, what did Roundtree 30 say? Roundtree 30. I was about to say the same thing that, that, okay. Um, my employer has the skill sets learning platform that has EC count. Oh, that's cool, Nathan. Um, I took a vacation day for some training. My work told me not to do that anymore. Training for work is on their time and their dime. Holy crap. Yeah, James Randolph. Take, take all of that. Guys, again, I've said it. I said it. Uh, this will be the final thing and then I'll boogie out of here. I've said it before. Um, Cybersecurity is constantly evolving. If And this is, I, I, I caution people. Like a lot of people want to get in the industry. Oh, DP with the super chat. Thanks so much, DP. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Um, I tell people this all the time. And, and I, 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 I am like, you won't find another person more de like demanding and, 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 and wanting inclusion and supportive. Like there's plenty of room in the pool. Everybody hop in the cybersecurity pool. But I do want to be real with people too, right? Because I don't want them to waste their time. Here's a real truth. Cybersecurity is not easy, right? There is no easy button. All of the work you do to get into cybersecurity, all of the knowledge you acquire, all of the labs you do, all of the grinds you put in, when you get the job, it's not like you reach the top of the mountain. Like that part doesn't change. You just have the job now. Like you need, if you're gonna, if you're going to be really effective at cybersecurity and you're going to be marketable, that way if your company lays you off, or you're in this situation where they tell you, you need to go get training on your own dime on your own time. Well, then you want to you wanna be equipped to be agile and move on your schedule, not be dictated by some business or employer. So you've got to keep grinding, right? So if, if, if you're 
learning and grinding to get a job in cybersecurity and you hate every second of it, but you're doing it because you just want to get the job, you're going to be rudely surprised when you get the job and realize that you need to keep doing that. So, but if you're into it, like me or many people in chat, you're you're going to rock and roll. It, it's, a, it, it's so exciting. It's so interesting. And there's a lot of opportunity to go deep on very specific topics that really interest you. So I wouldn't discourage anyone from getting into it, but just be mindful that it's not, it's not, um, there's no easy button. It's not easy. It's hard, but it's worth it, right? Anything worth it is usually hard. <laughs> all right. So that's going to do it for the daily cyber threat briefing. I want to thank all of you for being here today. I just realized I probably broke my, um, copyright here by playing the midnight, but that's fine. I do like the midnight. Ooh, Jide E passing CGEIT. Very nice. Thank you all very much. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you at hopefully 4 p.m. later today for Simply Cyber Unfiltered. But if not, we'll see you uh, on 8 a.m. Monday morning for the next Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Have a great weekend, everybody. And until next time, stay secure.